as we say around these parts in the language of Ketchi Mayan, Shan Shaquil, Par Kwan. Wow. Thanks for asking, Vaden. I'm, I'm fine, mostly because I'm not sweating. And that's because we are in the nice, cool and high city of Koban, which is one of the busiest cities in the Alta Verapaz, uh, which is kind of a central part of Guatemala. Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast, an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we ride from the bustling metropolis of London City towards the super hot valley of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Along the way, we've spent around two and a half months cycling across Europe. Now we've plonked ourselves down in Central America and we've got a plan to see just how far south we want to go. In breaking news... Guatemala now, Dr. Well, we kind of just had to get that one out of the way. I mean, Dr. Ropata may not be in Guatemala. Um, well, maybe Tenuera Morrison, the character who uh, played Dr. Ropata on Shortland Street, where those famous immortal lines came from. It's a very New Zealand reference, isn't it? I yeah. mean, so maybe Tenuera Morrison is here doing a film shoot of the. What was it? What was that one he did with Pamela Anderson? Barb Wire or something? Oh. Maybe they're doing a sequel of that That's here so in, here cool. in Guatemala. <laughs> But um, <laughs> may not be here in Guatemala, but we certainly are. And I guess getting here to Coban was not that easy, was it? Mm. It's been one of the probably, it's probably been some of the toughest that couple of days of cycling we've had on this whole trip, you know, including the, the stretch in Europe. I mean, over the last two days, we've climbed about 2,300 metres uh, into central Guatemala. Mm. Yeah. And the last episode, where of course, we were down on the Caribbean coast in Dangriga in Belize. And that was super hot, but it was also fairly flat. So it's kind of been a real change up uh, coming here into uh, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've finally reached a cooler climate as well here in Coban, but it has taken a massive effort. You know, well, it wasn't, it hasn't been so hard cycling in Guatemala up until two days ago, I suppose. Um, so when we reached a town called Chizek, that's when um, the climbing really began. And for me, the very first hill that we came to, that was sort of, I don't know what gradient, maybe 12% or something like that. And, you know, relatively long, like maybe six or 700 metres or something like that, that. That's not really long when you consider some of the climbs in, in the French Alps and things, which can meander along for sort of 15k. But the climbing here, you 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 go up, then down, up, then down. I know, but for me, that that was really steep. Like, I, I got, yeah. like... You're twelve percent at seven hundred for seven hundred meters. That's yeah. I you mean, have to really break it. Carrying back all the stuff, there. so we we hit that climb, and Baden's chain came off. Um, so I sort of kept going, and when I rounded the first corner and realised that the climb, you know, went on longer, uh, I, I called out to you. I was like, Baden, what do I do? It still <laughs> it keeps going, and then I was like, there was no answer. So I was like, okay, I keep turning the pedals, and I couldn't believe it when I got to the top. I was like, oh my god, how did I just ride up that? Well, that was then repeated multiple times over the next two days <laughs> yeah it was, um it was so much so that i couldn't um, bear to look at the altimeter on my um com- cycling computer to sort of see how high we were because it was really depressing you go oh, okay we're gaining ground here we're climbing oh no it's just massive dip down yeah. and and normally uh, what you can see when you're climbing mountains you kind of have a view of where the top is mm. and often you can't see it but we saw the top all the time not Korban, but the top of the next rise, and it just led down into another valley, and you just keep inching higher and higher. Mm. But yeah, it was really hard work to do so. I mean, the last day uh, into Korban, I think it was 45 kilometers, 
and that's f- with 1500 meters of climbing just within that sort of period uh yeah it was, no, it was a really good achievement once we got here but you know how we kind of lost the elation of it because yeah. um no we reached a coal bar and we're like yay but now we've got to find somewhere to stay and we kind of rode around town and the longer it took to find where we go because they have a really strange um system of naming the streets here yeah. it doesn't seem logical to us but i read a um a little thing in a guidebook about how they came up with it you know, because this is the same in all Guatemalan cities, apparently, is, is how they number the avenidas versus calles. Calles run north to south and avenidas east to west yeah. or the other way around. Yeah. And then the numbers are on, all certain numbers are on certain side of the road. So apparently there is this sort of method to the madness. But having arrived into Corban, we just sorry, couldn't work it out. For me, there's no method to the idea that two different streets that don't touch each other have the same name. That is ridiculous. There's two calle two A's, two calle three A's, two calle four A's. What the hell? That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Hey, don't attack me. I know. You can attack imagine how you can imagine how angry I was after climbing all the way here to just be completely confounded by the street system and not be able to find a simple address. Anyway, anyway, the the main amazing thing was that we actually made it here. Um, and some of the gradients were evil. The way that I managed to keep pushing, because I couldn't listen to my iPod because we needed to hear traffic, uh, you know, just in case big trucks, yeah, trucks came. trucks were coming quite, um, not quickly past us, but there wasn't a lot of space on the side to give us room. So you kind of had to wait, had to listen for trucks to be coming up behind you and then sort of hold still on your side of the road to claim your space rather than sort of weaving in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I think our average speed was something like eight kilometers an hour. And on a lot of the climbs, I was going under four kilometers an hour up the hill. So it's really hard to control the bike. So you're sort of always at risk of possibly veering into the path of a truck. But the way that I kept going was I actually, for some reason, got the song The Wheels on the Bus stuck in my head I thought so, it was Captain Planet well, and Captain Planet at one point <laughs> so I was like pedaling in time to the wheels on the bus go round and round insane right but well that's the sort of rhythm that we were going at yeah I know the wheels on the air and you can imagine that oh my god boom. yeah it was so slow going yeah been learning a lot about Maya culture. We visited Chichen Itza, which is a very famous site in the Yucatan, and a more recently developed one called Ekbalam. Um, the Maya had a really strong connection to the land, which is typical of indigenous people. And when we were on the Hummingbird Highway, we stayed with uh, Jaime, or Jimmy as we were calling him, at the Hummingbird Lodge. Yeah, this is back in Belize, and he's sort of uh, been looking at such a lovely such a lovely guy, such a friendly guy, made us beautiful family uh, family type meals and it was all stuff that came out of his sort of jungle garden that he's got there. Yeah. And um, you know, he's a man with like, lots of great ideas and big ideas and he's got big plans for sort of the space where we were staying at the Hummingbird Lodge. And he's looking to open a school about permaculture and jungle survival. He takes people into the jungle and teaches them how to sort of just survive on what, what sort of things there are in the jungle and um and he's also been learning a lot from he, he's a um creole guy 
Um, but he's been learning a lot from a lot of his Mayan neighbours, and there's a guy across the road, a 93-year-old guy who, you know, who was the font of all knowledge there about Mayan medicinal plants and, um, yeah, uses, you know, what plants can cure what diseases, and this is sort of thing that Jimmy wants to build up into his permaculture school and... Um, yeah, use of medicinal plants. He's really passionate about it. And even, well, he took us for a walk around his garden and we were amazed just like a few steps away from the tent what sort of plants there were uh, that could cure, well, you know, have the potential to cure or help uh, alleviate a lot of uh, ailments. And uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, they're building a school, so you may hear a few sort of <laughs> building sounds in the background. I'm Jaime Perez, um, Belize and original from Hummingbird Highway. I'm the manager of Hummingbird Lodge. I'm so happy that we live in a, a lodge that we have many cool things that we can show our guests, like medicinal plants. And today we'll be having a nice experience. It's the first time that we have a guest that's interesting to see what we have here. And sooner we want to have a permanent culture schools so that we can teach people our knowledge here in Belize and I think this is a good idea. This is the fever class. Wow. That's the one that <clears throat> Oh my! The spice leaf and the cold food and this—that's the one that you guys drink that morning. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And the thing with this is that this smells like pharmaceutical stuff that you might get if you have a cold. You yeah. know, uh, like Vicks vapor rub or something like that. Well, this works really, really good when you have sinus problem. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, you have cold and you. Brains and stuff like that. That's the really good medicine for this. Those two of them. So you would you boil it up and then like yeah. put your face over the bowl and get yeah, the so fumes? it's actually what we do. We get boil it up and get it hot, hot, and we put it in a cup, and then you put your nose in there closed, and you can breathe so that it you clears your nose. yeah clears you know like the heat help for clean that yeah yeah you know so it's really good medicines you know. What's the um, slogan for Vicks? It's like, soothes the cough and clears the nose. <laughs> yeah. And also we put it in soup too, like when you're making soup or thing like that. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good. So, Jaime, you know a lot about plants on your property, but you were telling me um, that you still think you have a lot to learn. Oh, yes, a lot, lot, lot to learn, you know. I mean, like, where it's looking is that, okay, it's so much knowledge in this country, so much people with knowledge that it's so necessary to open a school because that's the only opportunity the way we can learn you know like i have a guy he speaks nine languages dutch germany uh, sweden all kind of language so those kind of people we need here for for teaching different language so that we can understand to other people and we can learn and teach people because we have a lot of european people came here and we they hardly can speak with us so mm. we need those type of people to translate and we can learn from them too yeah. so that eventually we can know the language and teach them too you know mm. yeah so
trumpet leaf is good like when people have high pressure you know so this really help this the sour sap remember the one that I showed is a sumber mm. this one and the sour sap leaf will mix it together two of them if you have a strong fever the trumpet leaf and the sour sap and the sumba chew of them, you boil it and drink it, you'll bring down your fever normal in, in terms of 15 minutes time. It doesn't care how strong the fever you have. How does it work? Well, you know, it's just amazing that you know that. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's hard to believe, but for me that I experience, <laughs> I more than believe what is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, well, once you see it, yeah. Yeah, you know, so wow. So that's one really important plant, so yeah. Alright, so I want to find one more plant. Okay. Oh. You stand there, I see something move here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It's gonna freak me out. Remember, I show you the janchas, I show you the, the strombuck. Mm -hmm. So this is the balsam bush. Ah, oh, balsam. Okay. When you mix this with the balsam bush and the strombuck, this is really, it's good for young people because if you have cold system in your bones, you make it clean it, mm. clean it uh, system of your bones. But it's really, really medicine and like you know it works like Viagra also mm. yeah <laughs> so those those medicinal plants is happiness plants <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know you have a little smell in it when you mash it you can get a fresh one because once I mash it then is this the same thing here? yeah yeah no this one here oh. that's a bird vine right mm. This is what they put in the tissues. Yeah. Yeah. So it smells really good. Right? Mm. Yeah. So some of the plants they have like unintended side effects. Oh, so you give yes. it to your kid for the stomach ache and yeah. you can also use it as yeah. Viagra. But this is the the for children you only could use only a certain amount. Mm. Yeah. Mm. See? Everything is just certain amounts. Mm. But if you want it really get into high levels, then you put more <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not early start in the morning, you'll be sleeping till 11 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> now we've been, we've been, me and Dustin, we've been talking, we want to um, get these things together, you know, like actually, like, you know, but I've been having some, my dad died, been having some files that, you know, be keeping busy and all the time, you know, but. We're still looking forward to to set up this school because you know that's the dream of the place. Yeah. We believe that we have a permanent cultural school. We have more people here, more fun, you know, <laughs> more education, you know, more happiness, you know.
We cycled across the border into Guatemala and we headed straight to El Remate. And this is a town you can stay in and then make a visit to Tikal Archaeological Park, which isn't too far away. And this is a huge Maya city that was incredibly important and sort of, I think it collapsed around 900 BC. Um, so Baden, you were there 10 years ago and you really enjoyed it. And you know, it's, it's basically a must see if you come to Central America. So we decided to do a tour. Um, the van picked us up around 3.30 in the morning. Uh, and since we've been getting up at four, that wasn't such a hassle for us to get up early. And we drove up there. And once you get into the park, you've got to still drive for maybe about, I don't know, half an hour to get to the center, which is where the main parts of the city are. And on the way in, at that point, they, the speed limit is quite low. I think it's about 40 kilometers an hour because there are so many wild animals around. So it was quite exciting. We're sort of trundling along very slowly and the, the tour guide and the driver were telling us that they'd seen jaguars and pumas. They'd even seen a, a puma running alongside the van for some period of time. So we got all excited and started trying to keep a kind of eye out and look into the jungle and see if we could see any eyes or any animals. And it was quite exciting. It was quite a build up, really. Yeah. And when we got there, we had we were walking uh the plan was to sort of try and view the sunrise up at the top of a one of the uh, highest temples in the park but to get there we sort of had to walk through the park and pitch black in this archaeological you know this old mayan city and it was really spooky and creepy and misty and like uh you know we were walking only with the cell phone torches we were pretty stupid didn't bring <laughs> didn't bring a decent flashlights we're just working on those those little lights you use to uh find your car keys yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah trying to not to trip over tree roots or snakes <laughs> yeah i was shining my i was shining my torch into the trees because a lot of the you know exciting animals hang out in the trees like jaguars and kotamundi and things like that i was like oh maybe i'll see some eyes peering back at me from the jungle but we didn't catch sight of anything i kept actually thinking because the the guide had told us there were 20 about 25 jaguar living in the park and I was like oh my god I'm just walking in a forest in which there are 25 jaguars and that I mean I know they're terrified of people and it's very unlikely I'd see one but it was, that was pretty exciting as well yeah and it was great seeing um you seeing some of the outlines of the temples in the dark it's just sort of shrouded in mist it was just kind of added to the whole sort of mythic experience because we kind of knew that we weren't going to experience much of a sunrise once uh, climbing on top of the temple because you know there was such a low misty fog it was so humid yeah. and uh, but that wasn't really the point of it yeah it's more just to experience the jungle at that hour of the day and yeah like you say those big huge towering outlines of temples that in the gloom i mean they that was really exciting and the sound of howler monkeys in the background was great so we finally got to temple four which is the temple that you climb uh to see the sunrise So 193 stairs and we're on top of Temple 4. Wow, we took a seat on the, you know, on one of the kind of steps right at the top of the temple, above the trees. And we were there with around about 12 other people and everyone was really quiet um, and respectful. And 
while we were there, birds started waking up and singing. Yeah, the howler monkeys were in full voice. Uh, you know, it's the sort of place that kind of could just close your eyes and just imagine that you're sitting in the middle of the jungle, which we were. Yeah. You know, and you know some of these sounds and things that we caught last week. You know, in Belize, in a zoo situation, we're experiencing in the in the proper wild. So kind of changed the game and it was just, yeah, such a, oh, it's really nice place to hang out. Yeah, it was incredible. And so gradually, um, you know, the sky lightened and, and we didn't see a sunrise. All we could see was about sort of 20 meters of trees out from the temple, the tops of them, and then just white, just mm. all around us. And that white just got whiter and whiter, obviously, as the sun was coming up. Um, and I just, I had my eyes closed and I was just really trying to soak in the sounds and the feeling of it, you know, the feeling of the stone under me, you know, this, this thousands of years old temple um, built by Maya people to worship gods. You know, I mean, it was, it was a pretty spectacular feeling, I think, more than anything else. And, um, you know, we really, we really enjoyed sort of capturing some of those sounds um, that you can hear. Hello, my name is Nathaniel. I am a tour guide from Guatemala. I work exactly in Tikal National Park for the last like six years and we are now in the main plaza of this place, which is the most beautiful and uh, biggest area of Tikal National Park today. Yes, yeah, so Nathaniel was our guide for the day and uh, yeah, really nice guy. I mean, he was 23 years old with two children Wow. Uh, you know, I guess that's just sort of the way over here. Yeah. And um, and also, he never formally learned English. He learned English by hanging out with other guides. And he only revealed that to us much later, yeah. that uh, he can't write or read English. He can only speak it. Yeah. So he only, and he just did that from listening. So he's a, a pretty talented guy. And, um, yeah, he took us to his favorite places around around the park and you know it was really great to see these some of these animals again that we had seen in a sort of captive environment at the Belize Zoo seeing them in the wild we saw spider monkeys clamoring across the sides of temples and Kosamundis feeding off um, avocados uh, that had fallen down uh, off the trees I saw a real, a couple of real woodpeckers <laughs> and uh, toucans um, you know, pecking away at the trees it was like we were so close to all this great wildlife. A beautiful setting for the city of Tikal. And we were curious about why people had first come to this place and when they had. The first evidence about people living in this area exactly, it was approximately 900 before Christ. And uh, maybe they came to this place because the forest, because the wildlife, and because uh, a lot of material to build something like Tikal today, like this big place today. Mm -hmm. when where they built like approximately 4,000 huge buildings and uh, the main center of the area of the city where approximately 20,000 people lived back in those days in the middle of the area. 
because uh, outside of this place we got a lot of more buildings, small ones, and a huge like this one that we have in the air in the center of this place, where the middle and maybe low class people were living back in those days. Most of the people, according to some archaeologists, talk about like 200,000 inhabitants more or less in total in the city. Tikal grew from a village from around 900 BC into one of the most important Maya cities. Um, and that's mostly because of the strategic position it had kind of right in the center of things um, and ended up having, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of people living really around it and relying on it. It's just crazy impressive um, the way that it's set right there in the jungle and there are animals, you know, all around it. Uh, the temples are incredible. I mean, Temple One, the temple to the jaguar. I mean, it's just amazing, wasn't it? It didn't it feature in the Star Wars film or something someone was saying? It? <laughs> was it wow. a Star Wars film? Um, so, you know, it was, an, it was an amazing thing to see. And I actually thought of my parents because we visited Chichen Itza with them and I thought, oh, they would have loved to have come here as well. That's an amazing experience. So one thing that we really were curious about was when and why did it all kind of come to an end? Why did people desert the, the city of Tikal? So Tikal started like in the middle of the pre-classic period and for whole the classic Maya period which is a hundred years after Christ to 900 after Christ when this place collapsed exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah and um, for the moment we don't know why this place collapsed and uh, we got a different versions by scientists, by archaeologists. They talk about deforestation in this place. They talk about overpopulation in different sites, exactly. And probably wars between them for territorial, maybe wars for water, because in exactly in Tikal they were all the time recollecting water from uh, the rain in artificial like uh, reservoirs, artificial lagoons. So this is the the archaeological ideas that we have today about the Mayan collapse. During Tikal's heyday, that was when the Mayan world was really at its peak. Now it's sort of declined. I mean, Mayan people still represent 40% of Guatemala. You know, I think a lot of the customs and language is still with us today. Maybe not so much the religious side. You know, it's a very conservative Catholic religion here in Guatemala. But we sort of asked uh, Nathaniel what he thought about the state of Mayan culture today. Well, in some places, it is so strong. I live on the north of Guatemala. In on this region, it is not so much strong. A lot of the people, they are day to day, don't believe anymore in the Mayan culture. Right. Many of them, they today adopt new cultures. They are still changing, like back in those days, in different periods, different cultures they had. But on the south of my beautiful country, Guatemala, most of the people are indigenous. It's nice because they still speak in those very hard languages. In total, we're still conserving 22 languages. Two of those 22 languages are on my region. Two, it's nothing, all right? The rest, 20, they are still speaking that languages up on the highlands of Guatemala. Like Maya Quechi, like Maya Quiche, Maya Pocoma, Maya Tzutuhil, Maya Cachiquel, whatever, many more. It's nice. And uh, many of those people, they are still believing in a very interesting book, which is El Popol Vuh. El Popol Vuh, it is something like 
the Bible of the Mayans. Mm. It's very interesting. In in my region, a lot of people do, today believe in the New Holy Bible, not in the Mayan Bible. All right. So this is amazing. I like that. But it's so hard to see how the new generations of uh, those people they are they are changing. People young like me, in my case, I'm 23 years old. Most of my friends where I live, like my age. You can see those people like me, for example, like Ladinos, all right? I believe in the evangelic Protestant culture. A lot of them believe in my culture as well. I, I believe in my culture, but I respect every culture in the world, exactly. And I don't believe in the Mayan culture, I'm honest. But for me, it's so interesting and so wonderful, so incredible, all right? And I love it. This is why I work in this place. One thing you can't help but notice here in Guatemala is that they're in the middle of an electoral cycle. So just to update you on the latest news, actually we might need Callum to make us a sting for that. But um, no, it's it's a very uh, interesting situation. Um, so they had earlier this month, uh, last week, they had the first um, the vote in the presidential election. And a television comedian, sort of sounds familiar, anyone listening in Italy, um, <laughs> actually ended up being the front. Uh, he ended up getting the most votes, but he didn't, and he didn't get over sort of the threshold to avoid a second round, pushing it through to a second round. So you've got this uh, television comedian, Jimmy Morales, and he's going to be up against um, uh, this woman that she only brands herself as Sandra. That's because uh, Sandra Torres was married to a former dodgy president. So yeah, there's some. Uh, it's a it's a really strange political like world a real here. History of dodgy presidents. Yeah, right? and her second place thing is actually being challenged. I think in the Supreme Court, I read this morning, um, because the guy who is the um, presidential nominee of the party who has been in power the last few years. Um, their, their nomination for president, they came quite close uh, for second place. So he's like going for a second review of the vote count. Um, you know, at the moment, uh, the Guatemalan uh, president is in jail <laughs> over corruption charges. Uh, he was um, taking bribes in, in a big sort of customs racket. So... Uh, the political situation here is a total mess, but all the advertising, you can't escape it in the smallest of villages. Um, shops are painted up um, in a political party's colours. Um, lampposts, like random lampposts in the middle of nowhere, painted red, vote leader. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's a kind of a... It's quite all-consuming at the moment, and yeah. it's, it's really for that reason that we wanted to... We've been sort of chatting to a few people here and there where we can about, you know, what they think about the election. So um, we stayed in a place called Sayache, and a lovely man called Chendo runs uh, the restaurant and um, cabanas and things there, and um, we got chatting to him, and Baden kind of hit him up about the elections. Pues pienso que uh, el cambio está veniendo sí. con las elecciones. Sí, yo soy, de la, yo soy de la opinión que el problema lo va a tener que al pueblo. 
Yeah, Chendo was basically saying that you no know, changes are coming. He believes change is coming here in Guatemala, and that um, you no, know, this Jimmy guy. Now he reckons he's quite a good comedian, by the way, but he he reckons that. Um, he would make a good fist of the presidency. The big problem with this guy, Jimmy Morales, when I've been speaking to other people, is that um, he is sort of thought to be in the pocket of the military. He's got some ex-military men as some of his backers, and apparently he's been saying, oh, they don't have any say over anything and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the military... Surely whoever's paying the bills does have a say. Yeah, and it's a bit... Uh, it puts a lot of people off because when the military has been involved in uh, running Guatemala, it's mostly during a time that they're in a civil war. You know, the military has never really um, presided over good times here in Guatemala, and uh, that makes a lot of other people uh, feel really pessimistic you know, about, um, yeah, about the future of this country. And it's really sad to think, you know, that. Uh, Know, there's someone with military muscle. So hopefully this guy, Jimmy Morales, which is he's really picked to win in the second round um, and become the new president. You know, he, he's got a lot to prove to the people before you know, many will trust him. We've had a couple of rest days here in Koban, and that was slightly accidental because one of the reasons that we wanted to stop here was to see a beautiful natural um, tourist spot called Semuk Shampi, which is um, something that's been formed in the river because there's a lot of limestone here. And over, obviously, millions of years, uh, the water has created these amazing pools and a big waterfall, and it's, it's supposed to be an absolutely outstanding place to visit. So that's what we were hoping to do. However, it's, it's closed at the moment and has been closed for around about a week I think or maybe just under and that's because the people some people around a hundred people from the local communities are protesting because they believe that they ought to receive some benefit from the tourist dollars that that pour in through people visiting the site so they've actually closed Simukshampi so at the moment tourists can't visit it and we've met a few who have made the long trip on a bus out there and then realized come to the gate and it's closed and they can't go in so and actually the protesters kidnapped one of the workers there yesterday or the day before yeah so it's it's a bit of a um, changing situation there at the moment and the negotiations are going on between the people who manage the site and the local community as to what kind of deal they can do and and maybe, maybe they need me to go down there and sort of broker some sort of situation because i really want to see this everyone keeps saying oh Samuk, you know gotta go and i feel like it'll be silly to sort of ride away without having been there maybe they need someone from lower hut really to sort of step in as the mediator and sort of sort this out i'm not i'm not completely assured of your skills in diplomacy i'm afraid baden <laughs> well yeah <laughs> does that say something about our relationship <laughs> So unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to miss out because we've been here a couple of days and we really need to move on. So what's next, Bay? We're going to the uh, the big smoke, the old, what do they call it? Guat. Guate. 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 Guatemala City. Um, and yeah, that's another sort of two, 200 odd kilometers up and down the road, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, it's one of these sort of big cities. I'm kind of intrigued to see what it's like. People have said to us, why would you go there? You mm -hmm. know, so that makes me kind of really want to go. Yeah, you've got to see things for yourself, right? And and it's not like we're going to be just hanging in Guatemala City either. There are other things to do. Yeah, there's a few other things to do. I mean, since we haven't um, trekked through the highlands of Guatemala, 
um, visiting uh, Antigua is a really interesting um, colonial city surrounded by volcanoes and or, or, of course the beautiful uh, Lake Atitlan uh, is sort of a must see and yeah we'll be staying as well I think with one of our first warm showers hosts yeah warm showers um, yeah first one in Central America so we've got all that lined up they seem really lovely people so I can't wait to meet them excellent well thank you very much for listening I think that's the podcast done for now as always we love to know how you are and where you are so you can email us how are you where are you at gmail.com or you can head along to our blog that's how are you where are you.com and post a comment under the podcast there are also links on there so that you can subscribe to the podcast on stitcher soundcloud and itunes also if you wouldn't mind we'd love it if you would put a review or you know rate the podcast or something we think that that might help people more people find the podcast Mm. um, and share it if you know of anyone that might be interested also on the blog um, we put a blog on there i think in the last week or we've kind of been off the grid for the last week haven't we not so much wi-fi here. yeah not so much wi-fi around guatemala but uh, we put a blog on a little while ago uh, a listener had written to us wanting to know about sort of the rigors of cycle touring because apparently on this podcast well i think it's probably true really we kind of make it sound all easy although we kind of with today we've tried to say about how hard all this climbing has been yeah, so we sort that? of responded to that with some of the sort of the physical uh uh, problems maybe we've had uh, in cycle touring so yeah so check that out on the website you can also um, catch Baden online on Twitter at Baden C or Instagram Baden Cycling as always thanks to Callum Campbell for the original music on the podcast and until next time Kwambi bye bye